Good morning, good morning, good morning. I, uh, I hope that those dad jokes uh, were, were not as lame. I didn't hear a lot of laughing, but hey, sometimes dad jokes can be lame, but I did hear a lot of uh, joy. How about that? <laughs> Hey, good morning uh, at church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Uh, for those of you that I have not had the privilege and the honor of meeting, uh, my name is Johnny Gonzalez, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is just a joy and an honor to be uh, just serving you in this way uh, here at Antioch, Dallas. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, a few just business, uh, take care of business real quick. Uh, for those of you that are maybe visiting us for the first time, either this is your first time in church or this is your first time in a long time and you said, man, I should have brought my Bible because that's the thing to do uh, uh, when you go to church. And if you didn't know that, that's the thing to do. Uh, <laughs> so if you didn't bring one, here's two things. One, uh, in the seat in front of you, or at least in the row, there should be a Bible down in the basket uh, that is down there. If you didn't bring one, you can use that one this morning because we do believe in getting into the Word of God and touching it and feeling it and seeing if you have it on your phone. That's okay, too. Uh, but just wanted to let you know that there is a Bible down there. And if you don't own one, not if you didn't bring one, but if you don't own one, that is our gift to you uh, that you can take home uh, with you this morning. There's also uh, just in uh, we also believe in just writing down what the Lord may be speaking to us this morning. So whether it's something that I say that really just the Holy Spirit is wanting to deal with you. We also have journals on that back column there. So if you need something to write with. Take one of those journals as our gift to you uh, so that you can write down what the Lord may be speaking to you this morning. Uh, and so this morning, I want to I ask this. If it's not too much to ask, I would love for all the fathers, grandfathers, stepfathers, foster fathers, uh, soon-to-be fathers. Uh, I get it if you don't want to give the secret away, um, but you know, if you're in here and uh, soon-to-be father, if you could just stand right there where you're at. We want to honor you this morning. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hold on. Before you sit down, before you sit down, before you sit down, uh, two things. One, uh, this message this morning is going to be directly, specifically for you. Uh, but second, what I would like for us to do is everyone else, if you could just stand up right there where you're at, and, and if you pay attention to those fathers, if you could just extend your hands toward them. If you're sitting next to them, uh, just uh, put your hand on their shoulders. Um, <clears throat> we're just going to take some time to pray this morning. Amen. Uh, fathers have a tremendous uh, honor, opportunity, job to be able to lead uh, in this time, in this specific season. The Lord has raised you, and so we're just going to pray. So Lord, we just pray for these fathers that are in the room, whether they are uh, fathers, where they have given uh, life to their own children, or if they're stepfathers taking care of uh, someone else's child, or if they're foster parents, again, uh, just inviting and adopting kids into their uh, home, Lord, whatever that is, and even soon-to-be fathers, that, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would be with them, that you would strengthen them this morning, that they would know that they are not alone, but that you are with them. 
Lord, that your grace and peace would cover them, that you would give them the courage and the strength to lead in such a time as this, in this moment and in this time. Lord, that they would know that there was others that went before them, that there would be others that are coming after them, and that what they do today matters that it matters for your kingdom. It matters for those that they are raising. It matters for those that are going to be coming after them. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would just give them uh, just strength of your spirit, that your spirit would guide them, that, that your spirit would cover them. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. If you could turn your Bibles uh, to Psalm chapter 112, Psalm 112. Uh, for those of you that may be joining us for the first time, for those of you that may be, have been with us for, for the last few weeks, we've entered into a series that we call Recharge in God's Promises. And at the center of God's promises, we've been saying is this idea that he is for you, that he is for people. And so uh, we've also said that his promises, they keep us grounded and oriented in him. And, uh, we're, and, and this is important because we are, we have been, and in many ways it feels like we're coming out of a very difficult year, a very hard year, and we, where we've had wave after wave hitting us over and over. And we've said that we want to be a church that's for the city. And if you're already kind of gasping for air, it's because you should be. It's been a difficult year. Uh, and, but if we're going to be for the city, we, we're going to need energy to be able to step into what God is calling us to do. And, and the way that we're doing that is that we wanted to take the month of June to really recharge. So if you remember in Ephesians, as we were going through it, the key word there was renew or be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And this month, we're, we're saying, let's be recharged in God's promises. And so as we recharge, I, I want to encourage everyone this morning to engage. Fathers, especially you, engage. And, and we're at the end of this message, we're going to have a time for ministry time because I do believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to just speak to your heart. And we want to give time for us to be ministered to in a, in a, in, in a way that uh, just allows us to really do business with the Holy Spirit this morning. And so here at Antioch Dallas, we don't uh, shy away from the fact that we do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And so our prayer and prophetic team, our overseers and our staff are going to be up here at the end of this service, ready and willing to pray with you if you would just engage this morning. Amen? Okay. So on a Wednesday night in April, um, crew was doing homework. Uh, crew is my oldest. And uh, he had this journal prompt assigned to him. And the journal prompt was, a super fun day would be dot, dot, dot. Okay? So, uh, <clears throat> mind you now, we had just come back from being in Orlando for spring break. Okay? So, we, we did see Mickey Mouse. Okay? We went to Magic Kingdom. We, we, we did that. We, we visited, yeah, Mickey Mouse. We visited a water park. We went to the park, and at that park, there was a lake, and in the lake, there was alligators, like wild alligators in Orlando, which I had never seen before, but my kids were just all about that. We watched movies. We ate junk food. When I say that we had a blast, we had a blast. Okay? 
And so uh, not only that, but throughout the week, whenever, uh, so our, our kids go to a school where they're in school Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then we homeschool them Monday and Wednesday. And so throughout the week, they get to go to um, the park, they get to go to the museums, and they get to do all of these things. And so I just said, hey, um, this is not going to be hard for him. This is going to be so easy, this journal prompt. A fun day would be dot, dot, dot. And so, um, like any kid, though, um, I, I was surprised by what he said because um, my kids really didn't enjoy Magic Kingdom. Okay, if you ask what was the best time about that week, um, there was a water park that was on, on the property or on uh, the Airbnb where we were staying, and there was a water park. And if you asked them what was the best thing about that weekend, they said the water park. I was upset. <laughs> so as he was sitting there writing, I wasn't prompting him. I wasn't saying anything. I, I, the only thing I was thinking, this is going to be so easy because of everything that just happened. But you know what he said? He said, he, and he wrote, a super fun day would be dot, dot, dot with dad. Now, okay. You say all now, okay? But you, <laughs> you don't know. What you don't know is that it, for me that day, it had been a good, like one of those long days. A good one, but long day. Uh, he also hadn't done this part of a home, his homework earlier in the day when he should have done it. And I get home, and I'm tired, and it's 7.30, 7.30, yes, 7.30, and I, I'm going to be honest, my attitude was not a good attitude. I was direct with my boys. I was annoyed with them. Uh, I'm, I'm tired, and, I'm, if I, and if I'm completely transparent, I was that dad, the dad that couldn't wait to put my boys down so that I, at 7.30 p.m., could climb into my own bed and just call it a day. And then, uh, and since his uh, journal entry requires him to write four to five sentences, he continued to write. A super fun day would be with dad. We take walks. We go on bike rides. We play hide and seek. And this is the actual journal prompt that he wrote down. And the picture up top that he drew is of me and him. And then after he writes this, he looks up at me, and, and if you know Crew, this is a true story. He looks up at me, and he goes, you're my dude. <laughs> now, dads, I know you know the feeling, <laughs> because right when you're at your worst, it seems like God comes through to get you to soften your heart by having one of your children demonstrate his or her love for you. And the trap that we fall into many times as fathers or even as children of God, so I'm not just addressing fathers, but this is everyone in the room, is the tension that exists between duty and delight, responsibility and freedom, doing what we want versus what we ought. Am I right? But have we ever stopped ourselves and asked ourselves whether our duty is to delight? And today I want to specifically talk to fathers in the room because it's Father, Father's Day, but my hope is to talk to everyone here because, um, uh, because I believe that there's something here behind this question. Is duty our delight? 
And before we read uh, Psalm 112, I think it's important just to give some context around Psalm 12. Will you let me do this? It's going to be a little bit technical, but I think you're going to follow me here, okay? So Psalm 111 and 112 and 113 are all, uh, theologians would say that these are all part of the same, uh, uh, they're connected, rather. The difference between uh, well, 111 and 112 uh, are actually acrostic poems. Everybody say acrostic poems. In which uh, each of the 22 lines form or begin with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it means if I'm writing this psalm, then I would start with A on the first line. The second line would start with B, C, D. But uh, in Hebrew, there's 22 lines. And in those 22 lines, each of them begin with the Hebrew alphabet. How beautiful is that for this psalmist to take time and write Psalm 111 and 112 in that way? See, Psalm 112 then follows the same identical pattern to Psalm 111, that they are a matched pair. And Psalm 111, though, is an acrostic poem about God. And Psalm 112 is an acrostic poem about the godly man or the godly person. Okay? So Psalm 111 is about God. Psalm 112 is about the godly man and the godly person. So in the beauty... And in the spirit of what the psalmist does here, I'd like to do something similar by honoring the fathers this morning and titling this message. You ready for it? Delight and duty. See what I did there? Okay. Delight and duty. All right. So Psalm 112, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. This is the Hebrew word, hallelujah. Thank you, Jeremy, for taking my thunder. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So first, fear of the Lord. See, one of the things that we're serious here uh, at Antioch Dallas and what what we're serious about is to carry a countercultural passion for Jesus and his purposes on earth. Okay, so the psalmist ends Psalm 111 by stating in verse 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can look at it just by glancing down at 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then he starts 112 by saying that those who fear the Lord are blessed. Everybody say blessed. Now, just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak on fear and said there that fear is not always bad or evil. Do you remember that? However, I also said that fear is the check engine light of our souls because it reveals that we are needy and that we're vulnerable. Essentially, fear ultimately reveals that we are not in control. So what about the fear of the Lord? This kind of fear is not the fear where you cower down in terror or in dread or, or, or being dismayed. Remember when we talked about being dismayed where you're looking, you're looking out into space and you're saying, how in the world am I going to overcome? This is not that kind of fear. This is also not the kind of fear where you are fearing judgment. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, 
then fear here has the implication where you are in awe. Where you are, uh, where you have reverence, where you have respect. So if it's not the fear of judgment, it's actually standing in awe of God's goodness. So when it says, blessed are those who fear the Lord, it means you're standing back and you're saying, well, look at God. Because of how good he is. And, 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 what, and what the fear of the Lord leads us according to scripture is that the fear of the Lord leads us to blessedness. Now, we don't really use that word, you know, uh, hey, blessedness. We don't use that word anymore. As often. Scripture does. But what, the, what blessedness means is the, is the current English equivalent of the Hebrew word here is, is happy. Happy is the man, is the person. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Happy and fear. Happy and fear. Do they go, do they go together? Of course they do, because if you're standing in awe of who God is, then, then you recognize that he is good, that he is compassionate. We'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's, there is a direct connection. So why is the fear of the Lord important? Because we said that uh, Psalm 111, if it's an acrostic poem about God, rather than taking you through a journey through the whole Bible to, to tell you how good God is and the way that scriptures would describe it, I'm just, I just simply want to go to 111. Will you let me do that? Because if 111 is about God and it describes God, uh, then, then what I want to do is to be able to go through Psalm 111 and say that he makes us happy because in Psalm 111, beginning in verse 2, we see that God is great. We see in verse 3 that God does great things. We see in ver again in verse 3 that God is righteous. We see in verse 4 that God is gracious and compassionate. And if you think that there's a connection there with Moses and whenever God said to him in, 30, in Exodus 34, 6 through 7, that the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. It's because there is a direct correlation to the God of Moses to the God of the psalmist and now our God. And so God is gracious and compassionate in verse 4. He's a provider in verses 5 through 9. Psalm 111 would say that God is faithful in verses 5 and 7. God is a redeemer in verse 9. God is holy and awesome again in verse 9. And when, if, if you're thinking, I should have been in dread when I think about the fear of God, now re-examine your heart in light of, verse, of, of Psalm 111. Are you in fear and dread? You shouldn't be because he's great. He's good. He's compassionate. So next, delighting in his commands. As we discover who God is, it leads us into right worship. 
because we see how great, how righteous, how gracious, how compassionate, how faithful, how holy, and how awesome that he is. If you feel like I'm just kind of describing who God is, what I'm trying to do this morning is trying to get you to know who God is. Is for you to take a moment and just pause and recognize that God is not someone that we should be in dread and fear dismayed over, but someone who we can draw near to because he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. You see, knowing these characteristics about God, it leads us into wanting to discover him more. It, it, it leads us into, into um, wanting to get to know him more. So how do we discover more of him? I'm glad you asked. Can I give you a secret? His secret, are you ready? Write this down. The secret is in discover, we discover God, God more in his word. If that's not your mind blown, it's because you've gotten too uh, comfortable in God's word. Let me tell you, God's word is where we discover more of him. And if you don't believe me, I, I want to encourage you this week. Just take some time. I know it's going to take some time, but take some time to sit down with Psalm 119. I did that this week. It took me a few minutes, uh, actually maybe a little bit longer than that. But uh, Psalm 119, in every single verse, it talks about the law of God, the commands of God, the precepts of God. So I want to give you an example uh, of what Psalm 119, 89 through 80, uh, 96 says. You ready? Watch this. The wor your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. You ready? Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me. I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. What the psalmist is doing here in talking about the word of God is that he's pointing to the fact that happy is the man who finds great delight in God's commands. And so if Psalm 111 is an acrostic poem about God and his works, then Psalm 112 is an acrostic poem about the godly man or the godly person whose life exhibits the fruit of someone who is submitted to the Lord in his work. See, these specific contents of the two Psalms are more than just brilliant acrostics. For what is being said about God in Psalm 111, in Psalm 112, the man or the person takes on these same characteristics. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't commit heresy there. If you read Psalm 111 and you compare it to Psalm 112, what's interesting is that the characteristics about God are the same characteristics that man takes on if he fears the Lord and he delights in his commands. Another way to say this is that you will become like the God that you worship. 
Now, I'm going to go in here. If you worship a false god or an idol, you will become like that false god. But if you worship the true god of the Bible, you will become great. You will be righteous. You will be gracious. You will be compassionate. You will be faithful. You will be holy. You will be awesome as he is. If you allow the fear of God and his, and his word to be your delight, and every, then every single day you become more like him. And let me say this. This is the promise. This is the promise. If we're going to recharge in God's promises, this is the promise. The promise that we should take hold of this morning. And, and, and this is going to recharge us to wake us up from the slumber that we've been addressing this entire time. Where we've become sleepy-eyed and tired because we are, are getting annoyed that our lives are not where we think they should be. We are waking up each morning hoping for a new strength, a new hope, and, and, a, and a new breakthrough only to walk into the bathroom and look in the mirror and acknowledge how tired we've become and, and how lax we've allowed ourselves to get with God. We've allowed the voice of the enemy, the word of the enemy, to come against the identity of who God says we are in his word. It's not an indictment. I think that, that, that there's something there for us today. But yet, God's word would continually remind us that God is our Father. I said that God is our Father who is always there to delight in us, to sing over us, to provide for us, work on our behalf, to fight for us, to love us. That Jesus has redeemed us. He has made us his brothers and sisters. He has given us the right then to become, to come boldly before God and ask anything of the Father. The Holy Spirit has also come to empower us, to help us to be obedient to his word, to illuminate the word of God to us so that we can see him clearer each and every day. This is God at work and his word at work. And all we have to do is to fear God and delight in his commands. And delighting in his word means that we talk about it all the time, that we savor it, that we're participants uh, in the stories and doers of those commands. But let's be honest. We all may think that we are consistent. We're not consistent in our walk with God. Or that our relationship with God is not where it should be. There should be a whole lot more of you nodding this morning. Right? I mean, come on. You spend time with your life group. You spend time in your D groups. You spend time with your accountability partners. And when the question comes up about how is your relationship with God, what do you say? It's not where it should be. It's, uh, it's not consistent. We, I've even, and we even go as far as saying, hey, please pray for me because I'm not consistent, but I'm asking the Lord to, for breakthrough, that he would provide a breakthrough to consistently spend time with him. Haven't we all shared that prayer request? 
If you haven't, you will. The truth is, is that we, even though we say that we're inconsistent, we're actually very consistent. We're consistently walking the tension between delight and duty. And if we're honest with ourselves, um, th that, that in this consistency, we're consistent, uh, consistently finding it hard to believe the promises found in verses 2 through 9 of Psalm 112 because we consistently fail at verse 1. Amen? We see verse 1 as a duty in, in order to receive the blessings that come after We fall into the trap of thinking that if we can just worship more, that if we can just pray more, that if we could read scripture more, then maybe God will be pleased with me. D.A. Carson says it this way. People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, and obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedient and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we've escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we've been liberated. But the more you read scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word to you, you come to see that you don't have to do more. You, you don't have a duty to read three chapters a day and five on Sunday just to get through the entire Bible. If you didn't know, that is a good formula. Three chapters a day, five on Sunday to get, to the, to get through the entire Bible in a year. That's for free. But you don't have to do that as a duty. You come to find out that the Bible actually isn't about you. Because you, you, if it isn't about you, and it's definitely not about you performing your duties in order to gain the favor of God. The Bible is about how good and holy and right the God of the universe is, and that he sent Jesus to be the one who perfectly embodied the fear of the, of the Lord and delighting in his commands, which he perfectly accomplished. He then took on our failure to do so. He took on our duty and he shed his blood as a sacrifice so that we can delight in that we have been made right. So church, what that means is, is that our sufficiency is in Christ, not in ourselves. Our, our sufficiency is not in how far we can go or how many days we can stay consistent or able to keep up with our spiritual disciplines. Finding your sufficiency in yourself will ultimately crush you. Doing things on your own strength will ultimately tire you out. Trying to just keep up with, with maybe the, the pastors that you think should be on top of things is only going to consistently let you down. 
But understanding that your sufficiency is in Christ leads us to a place of recognizing that the fruits of becoming more like him lead to these fulfilled promises, that these are the fruits. The fulfilled promises are the fruits of not having self-sufficiency, but finding our sufficiency in Jesus. And so when we read in Psalm 112, those blessings of finding our sufficiency in Jesus are that, you ready? Our children will be mighty and blessed in verse 2. That wealth, riches, and righteousness will be in our homes. That mercy, grace, and compassion will be our work day in verse 4. And that goodness and justice will be our work. That steadfastness and trust will be our posture in verses 6 through 7. And we walk securely without fear of what could be done to us in verse 8. And then, and, and then just our, our posture is that our care is for the marginalized and the poor in verse 9. These are the fruits. So dads, imagine living in such a way where delight takes over the way that we engage with the Lord. Where our duties will not be a burdensome drudgery that we get so caught up in. Instead, it's a recognition of who God is and what he has done for us that leads us into ever-increasing joy. This is no longer a striving. This is a delight. This, this word becomes our delight to get in. This, this word, it, it, it becomes a delight to even do it. Not, not to earn favor, but because we have already been favored. Whew. To know the Lord becomes our delight. Not because we're afraid of judgment, but because he is good. Our focus becomes sharpened and our eyes are clearer to be able to engage with the world and with our families that go beyond a duty because it is the responsible or right or mature thing to do. It becomes my delight and joy to lead them to the Lord, to the Lord who is wonderful and is able to do the same for them. Dads, get in this word was so much so that when, when, my, when your boys or my boys get, get to see you, they get to see a man whose delight is in the Lord and in his word. A man who not only teaches them how they ought to live, but lives it out. That then results in a focus and a drive for their own life. Uh, my, this, that, that get into this word where your wife or your spouse uh, experiences a husband who loves her in spite of the difficulties that may arise, but because it is a delight to love my wife the way that Christ has loved me in spite of my difficulties, I, I get in this word. So what is our response? For me personally, I drew the line in the sand. I burned a bridge that I intend not to cross over. That if I was vulnerable in 2017, I recognized that I had been doing things in my home and in my job that were out of duty and not delight. And it all came to a head whenever I was holding uh, my second born Knox. And mind you, he was born 
I was doing all the right things. I was cleaning the house. I was serving my wife. I was, I was cooking for them. I was carrying him. I was changing his diapers. I was mowing the lawn. I was hoping to fix things within our house that were broken. I said hoping because I'm not that kind of a man. I'm not handy. And I was doing all the right things and, and helping around the house and caring for my wife. But in my own heart, I knew that I was just performing. I was doing these things because I had to, not because there was a delight. And as I sat in our living room holding our beautiful second board, our Knox, I remember Lauren looking at me and saying, doing all the right things but you're not delighting in him and I recognize that in that moment what was off was not that I uh, was not my relationship with my son or with Lauren what was off was my delight in the Lord I wasn't standing in awe of who Jesus is. I was burdened by what scripture was asking of me instead of delighting in Jesus. And I wish I could have told you that, man, that realization popped me out of whatever it is that I was in. But no, it, it started a, a journey. And the journey actually was week after week sitting in a counselor's office. Week after week being with a friends that I was telling them, I'm, I'm a, I can't find my delight in Jesus. It was getting into my office at home and getting in, on my knees and saying, Lord, can you hear me? But I will say the reason why I said I'm not going back to that and I burned that bridge is because I found my joy. found my joy. When I talk about delighting in God's word, the, the person who comes to mind really is uh, Marty West. You hear him. He's saying, yeah, God, where are you, Marty? Yeah, Marty. Marty's entire family is here. I mean, they're, they're legends in my eyes. But I, I walked into Marty's house one day as we were, Jeremy and I were doing something. And, and when I walked into his house, Jeremy would always tell me stories of how Marty like put uh, scripture verses everywhere. And I, you know, I, I had no context but I walk into his house, and when I walked into his house, he, he, he had a scripture over the trash can, and he had a scripture next to the TV, and he had a scripture sitting on, the, on, on his uh, table next to his chair. He, he has, if you don't know this, he told me this morning, I, I actually didn't know this either until this morning, he says he has note cards in his car reading scripture whenever he stopped at a red light, because it's, a, it, it, it's interesting to what the God reveals to him in those moments. There's, there's, and he goes, I'm not ashamed that if I had to, I would put it on my forehead like the Bible actually says, because his word is my delight, is what he said. And so when I think of that, that's where you find your joy. Your joy is found in this word. This is where God reveals himself to you. And when it talks about blessed is the man who, who fears the Lord and delights in his commands, it, you, you become happy when you recognize who the God of the Bible is, that he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Who does not want to get to know a God like that? But this week I was reminded 
and I was challenged this week. You're probably wondering, why are these toys up here? And the spirit of the acrostic poem that we have been in this morning, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit, and I want to challenge you this morning to get rid of your toys. That our response, if we want to be people of delight and duty, is to do the same, to get rid of our toys. And what are our toys? I heard this as a young man, so I'm, this is not original to me. But our toys are the temptations of our youth. What are uh, these toys are the ones that we indulge in that keep us from delighting in the Lord. These are the ones that, I, that, that say, if I could just have more of them, then maybe they will satisfy only to come to find out that they actually don't. The toys are the ones that remind us dads that as kids that sometimes we, we wanted to be Captain America. And think that we could do it all on our own strength. That if we could only be superheroes. But God is not calling you to be a superhero. He's calling you to fear him and delight in him. God is not a superhero because he is not, he's not a mythical creature or a mythical man that was made up by some other man. God is real and God is much more powerful than anything that has been created. But he is calling us this morning to get rid of the toys. The toys are the ones that keep me from maturing in Christ-likeness and keep me immaturely bound to a desire that ultimately does not fulfill. Now, I could go through and start naming temptations until I'm blue in the face. But for some of you, it might be, um, it, it might be uh, sin that is currently present and that you're currently giving into. For some, it might be pain from the past in your upbringing or in your relationships. And the, and the Holy Spirit is asking you this morning, do business with me. Or it might be fear that you will not ever be somebody or be as successful as what you hope or that your life should have been somewhere where maybe you thought it was going to be, but now you're being let down because relying on self means that you're not where you think you should be. And today is a day to get rid of the toys. It's, it's a day to be happy in the fear of the Lord and to delight in his word. It's a morning that has been set aside to do business with God and let him know that we are tired of doing it on our own. I'm tired, Lord, of doing it on my own. I'm tired, Lord, of doing it on my own. Help me be a man that, that, that fears you and delights in your word. I'm tired of, be, of doing it on my own. I'm going to ask the prayer and prophetic team if you can come up here. Overseers, staff, if you're in here. There's a quote that has really helped me in these last few weeks. And it's by Dr. Ortland, Ray Ortland, and he says this, is your faith self-defined? Have you made yourself what you are? Or are you living proof of what God can do? 
if you've gone no further than your own legs can carry you and seen no more than your eyes can show you and tasted no more than your thoughts can convey to you, you are lost. No wonder you don't live boldly for God. You have no meaning beyond yourself. May the Holy Spirit lead you into some private room today to weep and repent and look to Christ alone because authentic Christianity is miracle, not management. So may you give up on yourself and delight in the Lord. We've been walking in management for far too long. When we recognize that when we don't have anything to do, that Jesus has already done it for us. It's a miracle, guys. It's a miracle. And so why don't we just take some time? Men, if you're in the room and you need to do business with God, we have, we have some men up here. Uh, just, just come. Let's do this. Let's just take a few minutes. Let's not let this time pass by. If you're weary and tired, women, if you're in here, people of God, if you're in here and you're saying, I need, some, I need prayer, I need to get out of this. Come on, let's go. Stand up right there where you're at, everybody. We're going to be praying if you want to respond. And, and if you don't want to come up here, then the worship team is going to take over right now. And they're going to lead us in a time of worship and of response. And in this time of response, it's not time for us to walk away, but it's a time to engage with the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I pray for your church. I pray for this time that your Holy Spirit would work, that it would break chains, destroy yokes, remove burdens, that it would not be a drudgery, but a delight to be in you. And it's in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name,